right, so we're back uh, with Firefighter Kingdom. I'm your host, Robert Sanchez, and our co-host, uh, Vince Trujillo, is here. And we have a very special guest, a real treat for firefighters, um, which really needs uh, no introduction. We have uh, General President uh, Hal Chaberger. Thank you, Mr. President, for being with us today. Robert, it's great to, to be on your podcast. I'm looking forward to it. You know, like we were just talking, sir, um, you know, it's... it. it <laughs> It's it's always uh um I've always thought of of you as a great leader how how you always you know pick up the phone and you know talk to leaders across the, your locals across the United States and Canada um you know with three hundred thousand uh, members um that's amazing and we truly appreciate it. and I think that's what what makes you a uh you know a great leader and second to none. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I I really feel like I'm the one blessed and privileged. Uh, to be able to be part of the leadership team of this IAFF. And uh, every day, uh, you know, again, it's just uh, a joy to be able to work with all of our leadership, like yourself, all across 50 states, nine Canadian provinces, 3,600 local unions. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I look forward to it every day to be able to engage all of you that are really doing the tough work out there in the field. Right, and I appreciate that, sir. And, you know, so on this camera, we're on the Zoom thing, you know, where, where this COVID-19 really has us doing everything Zoom-wise. And so that camera, we put a small, better lens on there, so it looks skinnier from the last time I've probably seen you. What do you think? Oh, I think you really look very svelte. <laughs> So, so real petite, right? <laughs> so now I just on my uh, driving on my way uh, into this podcast this morning, I was just thinking, you know, how amazing it was uh, you growing up and were you working for Fair, Fairfax County? And just just real quick, I mean, how did how did you uh, get into even being a union leader in Fairfax? I mean, county starting at a young age. Well, I try to I try to make it a quick story, but it's uh, it's a it's uh, a long journey. Sure. Um, it really started, Robert. Uh, when I was in my junior year in high school, and not to be overly dramatic, but had some uh, challenging, uh, uh, challenging environment at home, and a, uh, being raised by a single mom, uh, and there was a gentleman, a friend of hers, that was a firefighter, Thomas A. Gaines Jr., and he gave me uh, what became the opportunity of a, a lifetime. He gave me a chance to come to the firehouse, Station 8 in Annandale, Virginia, and live and finish out my junior and senior year in high school uh, at the firehouse. And, you know, it was an incredible experience because I got to be around all of you and around that kitchen table. And it was at that point that I knew that's all I ever wanted to do. And I had, had to wait till I was 20 years old. So I waited a couple of years working in a grocery store, then to go on the job in Fairfax County on August 1st, 1966. And uh, it was the greatest moment in my life at that point. But it was a county in Virginia that's uh, uh, in the South at the time still in the South, but really the deep South in those days, very anti-union. Uh, the department was run uh, the old way, my way or the highway. Uh, there were no contracts. Collective bargaining was actually illegal. Uh, there were really no grievance procedures. And so in a department of five or 600 uh, firefighters, 
a handful of us decided in 1970, I'm four years on the job, uh, watching uh, the local unions in Washington, D.C., and Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh, that we realized, you know what, we should have a union. And in 1970, we did our work, and the IFF came in with a couple of staff members, and we organized Local 2068. And it was chartered in July of 1970. And I became the first president of that local. And that's when I really began my IAFF journey uh, back in 1970, now some almost 51 years ago. I got a chance to run that local. I became, as you are, president of your state of New Mexico. I was uh, three years later elected president of Virginia, hopefully helped to build that state. And then in 1976 was uh, asked by the general president at that time of the IFF, Howie McLennan, I'd consider coming over to headquarters and helping to build a political and legislative operation. And, and that's what I did. I started here, I'm in my office now, but I started in this building uh, at the IFF International on June 1st, 1976. Uh, that's kind of the, that's, that's the, the Shapeburger journey into this wonderful union. Of yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. You know, that's especially being that uh, when you first started, it wasn't a, it wasn't a union uh, department at all. And you just turn it around and we all know, uh, you know, for those of us who would doubt with that for a little bit, we know how it is and how it could be tough. So I'm sure, uh, it was tough during that time, and I appreciate it. You know, just, I mean, even being your 20 years as president now, you know, roughly, right? And yes. just just amazing how we have over 300,000 members or 322,000 members. And just what was the driving force? How did you, how do we, how were you so so successful in getting that many members, you know, in the, in the IFF? That's amazing. Well, Robert, as you know, you know, what, no one person, uh, is responsible for any of the great success of our locals or our states or, or this international, but we all get to play an, an important role. And uh, in year 2000, when I was first elected general president, uh, we had just about 200,000 members. Uh, and we wanted to continue to look for ways for firefighters all across the United States and Canada uh, not to try to get them into our union, but to provide the kind of representation uh, to work and improve their uh, careers, uh, to make sure their benefits were strong, that if we built a successful union, that firefighters would want to be a part of the IFF. And in simple terms, that's what we did. We, we built a, a number of very successful programs we had a very successful legislative operation. Uh, we had a built of incredibly important research operation and education and all the different components that made this IAFF not just successful, but really improve the lives and the livelihoods of those men and women out there that are on the front line every day. And that is really the simple uh, truth to how we have grown over 120,000 members uh, in the last 20 years. Right. Well, I mean, speaking about, you know, like you just mentioned, some of uh, 
the great uh, um, the great opportunities that you've had for our members. I mean, just even uh, E18, the financial corporation. I mean, my God, we have the Center of Excellence. I mean, that's been a huge success for firefighters across the nation. I mean, I, I personally know firefighters that went there and was very successful, helped them and their families, helped their careers. And I think, frankly, sir, I think it saved, saved some lives, to be honest with you. Well, you know, and I think about some of the major programs that, you know, again, that we've had success with. Uh, probably many of our members who rely on NFPA standards, for example, NFPA 1710, right? The, the staffing standard. Right. We passed that in 2001. And we had to organize and brought a thousand leaders to the NFPA convention in order to mandate and pass NFPA 1710 that now became the standard to require adequate and safe staffing uh, throughout the fire departments in Canada and United States and Canada. Um, we created what's called the Guardian Program. Many of our members wouldn't particularly know uh, that and have a reason to know of that term, but our leadership understands that that Guardian Program we created was to guarantee and protect our leadership that if they had an adverse action taken against them for doing their constitutionally guaranteed work as union leaders, that this union would bring its checkbook and its lawyers and make sure that our members' rights were protected, uh, that terminations were put back to work, that demotions were given back their ranks, and to make sure that they were whole, and more importantly, protected so they could continue to provide union leadership uh, at the local level. That was an incredibly important program for our union that gave local leaders the confidence to know that if I step out on behalf of my members and unfortunately I get a chief or a city council or a mayor that wants to take actions against me for doing my union work, that I know I've got this IAFF behind me. As far as the financial corporation, Robert, you know, it was, it was simply an idea uh, to do three things. One, to provide good financial services to our members good deferred compensation opportunities. It was to, quite frankly, uh, take a little bit of bite out of uh, our adversary, uh, ICMA, ICMA Retirement, International uh, City Management Association, uh, was managing our members' money, using the profits to work against us on every single standard, code, and legislative proposal. Uh, so we decided we'll put up our, we'll stand up our own company. Good services, take a hit at our, quite frankly, our enemy, and create a revenue stream for this IAFL. And it was 18 years ago that we started with zero participants and zero assets. And today, we have $10.8 billion in assets and 160,000 participants and generating millions of dollars every year into this IAFF of ours uh, and those dollars not coming out of our members' paycheck. Another way to grow this union. And the Center of Excellence was our work to recognize the behavioral health challenges so many of our members face 
and the post-traumatic stress and to understand that, you know, they always used to be, hey, if you're going to be tough, stuff it down. If you can't take it, you're on the wrong job. Well, the fact of the matter is that our members have silent injuries. Our members have difficulty oftentimes, you know, at work with family because of their uh, emotional uh, and their mental uh, health challenges. And so, yeah, this union said, we've got to do more than just talk about it. We got to, we got to create something to really help our members. And that was the idea behind creating the center of excellence. And now, you know, it's been an unbelievable success. You know, 2000 of our brothers and sisters coming through their treatment and being sent home to be able to enjoy their careers again and to keep their families together. And unfortunately, to stay alive, knowing that too many of our members find such despair that they decide that taking their own life is their only way out. No, this union created this, this structure, opportunity, uh, and uh, benefit uh, to save our members and to serve our members and to help them heal. And it's been an incredible success. It has been. I, you know, I've, I've had the distinct honor to actually uh, tour it. Tour. I, I made a, you know, special trip down there to actually tour it to see where, you know, some of our members from New Mexico have benefited benefited from the Center of Excellence. And, you know, I went to tour it because I want to see where our members are going and what's going on over there. Not, you know, just so I can come back and be an advocate for it. And, you know, it, it definitely is a state-of-the-art facility. Um, I know members that went there, and, and I could honestly say it, it saved their life because they told me it did. You know, they come back to their career in the fire service and, you know, to their family, you know. So as you know, you know, General President, uh, you know, it's not the firefighters that are the only ones suffering. All their families also do, you know, That's and no right. fault to well, their just own. Just know this, Robert. Take comfort in knowing that we are in the uh, negotiations right now uh, for a facility property uh, in Southern California uh, because we're going to be opening up our second center of excellence very nice so that we can serve better serve our members in the western part of the united states very nice that's that's uh, that's good to know so uh when 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 the what date do you think that might be coming or what year? well i think that probably i'm, I'm gonna you know this this whole COVID 19 environment has thrown some roadblocks in our work um but i'm gonna say that i'd like to think the center will be up and actually running uh, probably uh, in about a year, maybe uh, maybe late summer next year. Uh, we're, we're looking at the facility. We're in negotiations uh, with ARS, who's our partner in these facilities. And uh, I'm, I'm confident that we'll be securing that property, but then we have to build it out and then we have to staff it. So I'm going to say uh, hopefully we'll be up and running in about a year. It's very nice. And, you know, just talking about, you know, helping out uh, so our, some of our New Mexico members, I can't help but to mention um, everything that you and the IFF have done for New Mexico. Um, it's just, it's huge that you, you know, I know that you take pride in making sure that your members have a seat at the table, especially the leadership in, your, in our state and across the United States, but in New Mexico in particular, because, um, you know, we... We, politi- we have political action and, you know, what we've learned from the IFF and we use it, you know, in the state of New Mexico and just what you've done for our legislature, making sure that we have a, a seat at the table. I appreciate that. And, 
you know, we have a great governor here, Michelle Luan Grisham, as you know, and she loves IFF and, you know, she loves working with you. So we're real fortunate. And I want to thank you for that. Well, you know, I appreciate that. And I'm not trying to be facetious here, Robert, but, you know, I, I never, I always ask our leadership, even though I know how it's meant, but you don't have to thank this IFF for what we do. You're entitled to what we do. You're part of a union uh, and you should expect this IFF is going to back your play, invest in your political opportunities, uh, support your legislative uh, efforts. Uh, that's, that's why we exist. And, uh, and I always recognize that no matter how large this IFF is here, Washington, D.C., big headquarters, where the real work is done is out there. Where the real work is done is out on the ground at our state legislatures, and our city councils, you know, and our county governments. And this IAFF is responsible to provide every resource we can to all of you, the leadership out on the ground, uh, to help make sure that you win many more victories than the few that you may lose, and that you make use of every opportunity you know, and defeat every uh, challenge that comes your way. And so it's, uh, New Mexico is a kind of special place for me. I've had a lot of great friends. Uh, I go back uh, a, a long time in your state, uh, and it's always been a pleasure to watch the growth and the success that you've experienced there in New Mexico. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, I, and I can't help but mention, you know, uh, talking about the whole COVID thing. I mean, it's, it's down our throats every day. And, you know, talking about politics, I mean, how uh, there in Washington, uh, I know that IFF was able to assist in politics quite a bit for the COVID-19 stuff. I mean, we're talking about, you know, money, protections, waivers that, that you've, the IFF's done a great job doing. You know, how uh, how successful, um, I mean, I know we were successful, but how, how, how was that working with, with politicians during this COVID-19? Well, you know, you have those that really are supportive and you have those that are difficult. Uh for example, you mentioned the waivers, and I know you're referring to the waivers for our SAFER program, which is basically the federal government grant program that we created, by the way, this IAFF passed uh, back in the early 2000s. And it's simply as resources provided to local governments for keeping firefighters working and to hire more firefighters. And the waivers came about uh, because the original program required city governments to match the federal funds. It required certain uh, uh, performance standards. Uh, it only lasted a certain period of time. And we learned during the recession of 2010-11 that we needed to dispense with all those bureaucratic requirements and rules that what our local governments needed was resources, get the money out there, to be able to bring firefighters back to work who were laid off, to prevent firefighters from being laid off that are being threatened by pink slips. And in those cases where departments really can grow, they help them grow. Well, it took a pretty um, aggressive uh, meeting with the acting secretary of, of uh, the Department of Homeland Security uh, Wolf, uh, to finally get him to agree to put the waivers in place. 
most of our members will never fully understand. I understand that, what that means or how that even affected them. But we as union leaders know it was critical. Absolutely. Uh, and as far as the COVID moment, you know, we worked with the uh, Federal Reserve uh, in order to make sure that 500 plus billion dollars was put into a municipal, local municipal liquidity fund to help our local governments that are going to experience a reduction in their revenues to be able to meet their their needs so that we don't have to have firefighters threatened with losing their jobs. We worked with Congress to pass the first HEROES Act, um, but excuse me, the, the CARE Act, uh, which provided $150 billion out to local governments, provided an additional $100 million for the SAFER program, uh, and now working with Congress on this fourth COVID uh, package uh, called the HEROES Act uh, that will provide possibly up to another $500 billion to local and state government. All of this is to keep our governments up and running, uh, to keep our governments that most more times than not have to operate on a balanced budget. They can't run a debt. So if revenues are down, when the economy shrinks, it, you know, in so many ways as it has, and businesses close up, people are losing their jobs, and tax revenues shrink up, well, governments have little choice but find where they can cut. And too many times... Those cuts affect our members. So yes, we're using Congress, we're using the administration, we're using all of our tools in order to try to help underpin the financial challenges that our local governments are beginning to face and will face over the course of the next, you know, many months. But great, um, you know, and you know, we're we're talking about we've talked about before, you know. Uh, we we help those who help or whoever helps us we help them you know as firefighters we make sure if you're not going to help us we're not going to have your back you know so speaking of that i mean i want to bring up uh you know in april 2019 we endorsed joe biden uh for president and i uh i, I hope it, it works out and he's a he seems like a, a great man and i know he works for firefighters well first of all we're we're n- never overconfident but we're very confident uh, that Joe Biden's going to be the next president of the United States. Right. There's a little question in my mind that that'll be the case. Um, but why Joe Biden? And I understand our membership, Robert. I, I know our membership. That's why I said I've been, you know, a part of this for 51 years. And I've always said that our membership is, is like a perfect reflection of the political landscape in our country. We have Republicans, we have Democrats, we have conservatives, we have some progressives. We have independents that choose not to identify with a party. And to be real honest, we have a lot of members that don't like politics at all. They think it stinks. Absolutely. But our responsibility is to know that everything ultimately is dictated in the political arena. Every decision that affects our country, our citizens, our children, our work, everything ultimately comes back to, you can follow that thread, that everything comes back to a decision made by someone elected out of that political arena. 
local government, state government, federal government. And so our job has always been to get into that arena, knowing that we've got a membership that's not going to universally agree with any single decision, but to do as a union what our principle is, and that is supporting those that support firefighters, supporting those who have a history of supporting us, yes, as a union, and then returning that loyalty. And it was a simple, easy decision for our executive board because Joe Biden had been supporting this union for 44 years. Joe Biden has led the charge on our behalf going back to the original enactment of the Public Safety Officers Death Benefit Program in 1976. And every program since, every step along the way, he has not just signed on bills, but, but led the charge. Our members make a lot of FLSA over, over time. Hundreds of billions of dollars. The fact of the matter, it took a guy named Joe Biden in 1986 to help change the law so that we were covered by the Fair Labor Standards Act. Right. Because prior to that, we firefighters weren't. Right. So he's just got a solid track record of loyalty to this union, but more importantly, to our profession. And it was that on that basis that, yes, we were proud to not only offer our support and endorsement, but to be the very first to do so. Absolutely. And the truth of the matter is that in that early uh, January, last this last January in Iowa, things got a little dicey. And followed by New Hampshire, where you know things right. look like maybe we're in a little bit of trouble. It sure did. Uh, yeah. uh, and a lot of people were poking at us. I got a lot of friends that called and said, hey, you guys getting ready to go down the tube? Right. But we kept our faith and we, and we stood tall. And the truth is that we were part of keeping Joe Biden on life support. And then South Carolina takes off and the rest is history. And now this week, probably maybe in a matter of hours, we're going to find out who his vice presidential pick is. Right. And most of them in the running are very good friends this IAFM. Nice. So we positioned our union to help elect someone who's going to be a great president for the nation, but is going to be a terrific president for firefighters and our profession. Right. That's very, that's very, uh, uh, very um, good that, you know, with the IFF is, has endorsed uh, a Joe Biden, you know, and, and was saying that is, you know, um, if you talk to other unions across the country, which which we do, you know, I'm a member, you know, of the you know union, other union organization groups here. Um, we're we're the, pretty much the most the most diverse union um, that's had that as far as political wise, anyways. I mean, we had like you said, we have the most Republicans, the most uh, independents. You know, we, of course, we have Democrats. So you know, that's that's the definitely unique about the IFF. It's a I know I'm repeating myself, but I just think it's almost like a perfect reflection of the uh, uh, of the uh, political landscape in our nation. I mean, I, we have a very politically diverse union, and which is challenging at times, Robert. I know you probably, you, I, I suspect you experienced that yourself in New Mexico, that, you know, you'll uh, back a 
uh, a, a politician and you'll probably have some members that are not in agreement with that decision. Right. Uh, but that's the great thing about our nation, right? And it's the great thing about our union. And that is, you know, everybody has a right to, to hold their own position and, and to support who they choose. But this union has a responsibility as a union to do what's right on behalf of our profession. Absolutely. I mean, and with that said, I mean, I, I can't help to mention yeah. about, you know, the COVID, I mean, the, I'm sure the George Floyd stuff that's going around, the unrest uh, that's that's happening across our nation, you know, and, and the men and women in the IFF and how they've done great serving the community, like always, you know, never seem to let us down. And, you know, they're going through the riots and, you know, trying to you know, put out fires or structure fires and, and, you know, having people rioting right next to you. So I just, really just want to give a shout out to, you know, to the men and women in the fire service in the United States and Canada, just, you know, all the great work they've been doing for, you know, these, with these underrats well, and riots. They deserve, they deserve that shout out. I'll tell you, uh, they, they've been on the front lines in so many places. They have faced, you know, uh, great, uh, great challenges sometimes uh, with uh, their own safety threat, uh, but they never, they never blink. We always say they never back down, they never back out. Uh, they, they do their job and uh, it's just so, such a joy to be part of this union that represents such honorable uh, people that are out there doing the work that they do on behalf of their citizens every, every single day. Right. I want to give a shout out to Robert, if I may. On sure, the show. I absolutely. Want to give a shout out to the staff of the IAFF. You know, we've got about 180 of, I think, like the very best, uh, each in their own skill sets, each in their own professional capabilities. And when COVID 19 hit, we had to shut. I'm here basically by myself, except for a couple of construction workers in this eight story building because we had to send our staff uh, basically out to work remotely. And there was a lot of question whether, how is it gonna work? Was it gonna be effective? Would we get all of our programs, you know, service? Would we, give a, we would get everything out to our locals that they need and the challenges they're facing? And I have to tell you, I am so amazed and so proud of our staff. They haven't missed a beat. We were transitioning from a headquarter operation to a remote operation seamlessly. They'd be able to set up so that they're actually operating like they're sitting at their desk here in headquarters. And they have been pushing out all the programs and the services and the resources and the tools and the education and certainly all of the toolkits related to COVID-19 both the health and safety toolkit, as well as the economic toolkit. So, yeah, we have a great union, but part of the heart of this great union also is an incredible headquarters staff. They've just been doing extraordinary work under pretty challenging uh, uh, situations. Times, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen us keep a beat at all. So I've always been amazed how how responsive they are. You know, to all of our members. You know, we have the local presidents call, and it's just it's just a a, a great operation that they're still operating there in uh, in Washington, or from remotely from over there operating. So that is good. Um, you know, again, you know, 
thank you for for your leadership, sir. You're especially in the 10th district, and we have uh, Frankie Lima, one of the great leaders in this 10th district, and I can't He's forget amazing. to mention him. I tell you, Frankie is amazing. That guy uh, has done extraordinary work uh, in this first term of his as an international vice president. And um, I don't have to tell you that the 10th district is operating at a very high level. He works to assure that all of you get everything you need uh, to do your work. And he's a, uh, a great leader on our executive board and uh, selfishly a great friend. Of mine. Right. I mean, we can't stop to, I mean, stop to mention that, uh, you know, the diversity that he uh, makes happen in his 10th district. I mean, you have, you know, the diverse, uh, you know, DFSRs and presidents and just the diversity in California, Mexico, Arizona and Hawaii. So it, it's it's truly, you know, I, I might be biased, but, you know, the 10th district is, is doing great. <laughs> It is doing great. You better be biased. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, well, thank you, Mr. Uh, uh, General President. And uh, so we always we always have a, a community segment here on in this uh, FFA uh, Firefighter Kingdom podcast. And we have uh, Vince Trujillo. You know, he's, he helps out. And somebody, he, he's going to ask a few questions, if you don't mind. Okay. So how are you doing, Vince? Hey, good. You know, Thank you so much for having me on, and especially in this special episode, we have General President Shaberger on, and uh, listening to everything that you're doing over there, uh, I appreciate that so much. It just seems that uh, the history that you bring, the what you're doing to vibe constantly for your membership and helping everyone out just seems like it trickles down to everyone that Robert's been on, just quality people um, that, that are being created out of, out of some of the support they get from you, so I appreciate that. I have a couple of questions. So, you sure. know, we, from a public's perspective, you know, I, 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 I loved every, hearing everything that you're doing, uh, the funds that you have, the foundations and, and uh, all of the endeavors you're going and how you vibe legislatively for everybody. And you said since you were in the 70s and, and you got started up in the unions, I was just going to ask, what was one of your favorite early memories of being in the union and kind of starting out then, you know, uh, in the 70s? I'll tell you, one of the, you know, I'm not... I think I mentioned to you, we're on the air, so I'll say it, but I, I usually try not to talk about myself too much because this union is a, com a, a combination of so many leaders and souls and experiences. But to your question, Vince, um, I mentioned that when I helped to organize Local 2068, it was in a Southern environment, anti-union environment, no collective bargaining permitted. One of the first things we did as a new young local was able to pass a local ordinance that established collect bargaining rights. And I, as a 25-year-old, relatively new wow. local union president of a relatively new local union, was able to sit at the table across from our employers, the county government, and negotiate uh, our first contract, the first public employee collective bargaining contract in the state of Virginia. Uh, so that was uh, 1971. Uh, and so, you know, for all, everything mm -hmm. I've been privileged to be a part of and, you know, and to have some role in helping to move forward. That's certainly uh, a great memory uh, and, and achievement that I take a lot of pride in 
uh, going back now almost 50 years. Wow, that, that's impressive. I, you know, I don't even want to compare to what I was doing in my, my, when I was 25 years old and you're getting the first collective bargaining agreement in Virginia. So congratulations on that. That's amazing. Um, another question for me is that given, given what all you've seen in the landscape change over, over this last 40 years plus, um, where do you, what do you see the digital age now playing, um, having to play in what, how you connect with your members, how other presidents connect with their members, and how you can keep uh, members and the community involved? Well, uh, Vince, I, I think you know, and, and sometimes I take a journey to answer your question, but we are very focused on how to better communicate, connect with our leadership, with our members, with, with the general public. That's why we have such a, a comprehensive strong, complex uh, communication and media department. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we decided as one of only two unions in North America to uh, build and create our own broadcast quality studio uh, to be able to have our communication field staff uh, that really is trained in how to utilize all of the new emerging digital social media platforms uh, to create uh, our communication training academy uh, where we bring in 50 leaders every year uh, to give them the, the strong skill sets to understand how to, to be that voice uh, back out in the field to their members that need to be better informed always to the citizens that need to be informed on the various issues and challenges that that our members uh, are facing. And then to create that training academy now at the state level. Uh, in the last uh, uh, 16 months, we've established our uh, communication state and provincial training academy. And so to your question, we're trying to use everything from broadcast quality studio, our own production media team. We bought a media company, a union media company and so now this iff you our members own their own media production operation they own their own broadcast quality studio we have a significant communication uh and a campaign strategical department that understands and is helping to expand the use of all the various platforms uh, uh that are out there and how we have to understand how to deliver information and connect, whether it's our members, the politicians, or the general population. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for that. And and we're getting out there too. We're trying to learn and we're getting, you know, Robert got his uh, podcast launched and we're doing a really good job so far. And I know that you have a podcast too. Uh, do you want to give a shout out to that one? Well, we do. And I give a shout out to Mark Triglio and, uh, uh, and Doug Stern, who do a great job with our podcast and, you know, trying to, again, provide this opportunity to select the various subjects uh, that we think our members would be interested in. Uh, and as you're doing, uh, pushing it out, uh, it's just another, uh, another vehicle, another way to hopefully inform but connect with our members. 
Yes, that's great. So uh, we're going to post uh, links to that in our description and, and what we're doing when uh, we post this on our channels as well as uh, when the YouTube videos come out as well. So um, thank you, uh, Pre uh, General President uh, Schaitberger, uh, for this and learning about everything you're doing for your members. What, what are a couple of important points? Well, my last question is uh, that the public really needs to know in supporting that. You, you talked about endorsing Joe Biden because of all of the, and, and I mean, this goes back 40 years with Joe Biden too. So that was really an important note to know. And I think we're going to take time to kind of pull that out into our website and our blog to say, you know, why, why this was important to support him. What, what do the public, what does the public need to know right now based on the environment that we have with some, some states, some, you know, national politicians constantly seem to be fighting unions and talking about, you know, uh, that. And, and as it gets into, you know, affecting first responders, teachers, some of our more basic uh, people that you in the public service that you should be supporting, what is important that the public knows going forward right now, especially with the election coming up, that we need to be educated for? And it doesn't really matter your political stripe. It shouldn't matter as much when you're supporting people like firefighters. So me and the you know, people like me and the public, what do we need to know that can be non-political. Well, let's talk about, you know, if we're going to focus on it's always a lot of things start at the top. It starts with the president of the United States. But it's more than just Joe Biden being the president of the United States. It's that that is the person who will help to establish our entire federal government. The 13 federal agencies that, that are so responsible for every aspect of our nation and our citizens' lives and future. And so when you're talking about making this decision, uh, I would want to make sure that the public knows more and more, Joe Biden really is middle-class Joe. It's not just a, 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 a title or, or a, you know, a nickname. But he understands the, the challenge of working families. Uh, he understands what it's like to be in a job where you got to come home and wash your hands and take a shower after work. Uh, he's had a lifetime of, of supporting, you know, our children in a strong education system. And he is a politician that has never shied away from using the word union. He's proud to be supportive of union. It's Joe Biden that you've heard so many times over so many years, you know, that the middle class built this country and the unions built the middle class. And so what people need to understand is this is somebody who has faced his own personal tragedies. So he has real empathy for those that, that have a challenging environment or life or have a sick child or parent. Uh, so I think that's the message that is getting out and that is connecting but certainly for us in communicating, uh, Joe Biden is going to support, you know, middle class, strong middle class, working families, workers, and believes that everyone should be organized by a union. Great answer. Thank, thank you so much, General President Schaeberger. I appreciate that. Uh, it was great letting, uh, getting to know you better. And as a community member, I think so many of our community are going to benefit from learning about what you do and how you support the firefighters in a, a little bit more detail into that. So I appreciate that. I'm going to turn it back over to it. Robert. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. 
Well, thank you again, uh, uh, General President Schaeberger. You know, it's always an honor and uh, a treat to have you on, and always nice to talk to you. And thank you for your leadership, sir, in the IFF. And, thank uh, you for what you do, Robert. You so, do a great job. Thank you, sir. Our members in, uh, in New Mexico are, are really benefiting by uh, your strong work. Thank you, sir. Uh, so that I've got your back. We appreciate that. We know you do. So, again, thank you. So let me thank everybody for listening to Firefighter Kingdom on Apple and Spotify uh, broadcast. Perfect. Thanks for listening. Uh, listen okay. to our podcast. We have a couple of uh, firefighters on from LA, from Hawaii. From uh, We have Dennis Lawson from Washington. So great IFF supporters and members um, that are out there supporting us. So, again, thank you again, sir. Okay. And have All a good, the best. Have a good and day. Stay safe out there. We will also. Thank you, sir.